I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch and roll out. (laughs) We love to watch. We'll feed you to the shark decons. I was hoping you were going to do, like, this week this is some lines that are very funny to me. And, oh, like, very funny. My alternative was, we love to watch us better things to do tonight than die. Than die, yeah. <laughs> I got better things to do tonight than die. <laughs> Dying uh, is time-consuming, I will say. It takes great forever. <laughs> Happy 2022, Peter. This is our first official theme month of our, I want to say, seventh year in existence. It can't be right. Fact checkers check that out. 2015? So that's that's right, right? No, 20, 2016. We're, we're not at like our seventh year anniversary, but it's like our – it'll be our seventh calendar year because 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That sounds wow. right. I, I, yeah. I, I love it. Did you use your fingers for that? <laughs> I did. I did use them. Look, I've been doing a lot of math at home with my seven-year-old, so there's a lot of finger counting uh, that goes on. But yeah, where we love to watch, we're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of the, uh, that month around that theme. And if you remember, we compare and contrast. We're doing a month that I'm extraordinarily excited about when we came up with it like a half a year ago. And we're like, let's get on the schedule as soon as possible, which for us is like 2022. Um because we did something that I think was a lot of fun last summer, Peter, which was let's take these um, these movies that they were making that were essentially remakes or reboots uh, in the 90s of, of sitcoms. You know, uh, Adam's Family, Flintstones. They took television shows. They made uh, sometimes cartoons, sometimes, you know, sitcoms and 50s and 60s and 70s and all that stuff. And they made – uh, movies out of them, especially in the in the early 90s. It was a big fad. It was in all the papers. Everyone heard about it. And as we start thinking through that idea, we, we realized that there's like this group of movies. We actually had about like eight or nine options for this, but I think we settled on four. That for various reasons I'm very excited to talk about, this idea of a television show who re- which released a movie that continued the story of of the television show uh sometimes as a like a finale which i think is essentially uh uh kind of two of ours kind of one we'll talk about that a little more in a second but in actually like in three of these cases ended up serving as you know a few tv seasons a movie and a few tv seasons or a, another tv season so uh kind of odd this this kind of jump to the big screen to continue a story started on uh on the small screen um and so as we started looking over the list and going through the ideas there was a, i mean there's a lot of different um uh franchises that have done this um, and a few of them have done them wildly successful. So that's what we're doing this month. Uh, I, Peter, I didn't come up with a name for this month. I don't know if you did as as you. Uh, yes, I did. And I am about to say it. The name, the theme of the month is, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this, is um, <clears throat> 80s big TV get... rerun. No, it's not a clue. How about getting big? Getting big. The big screen. Getting big month. Uh, and in some cases, before they got small again, which We're is... We're going to do Hercules in New York. We're going to do Pain and Gain. 
we're gonna do pain and gain uh twice we're gonna, we're gonna treat we're gonna treat them as separate entries we're gonna do pain and then gain and that will get us to the other three episodes of the month other three episodes of the month uh yeah so that that means we have a very eclectic mix of movies to talk about we're starting with one that's probably the least complicated from a catch-up standpoint and that's partially because some of these television shows uh, or some of these movies that we're covering require a lot of catch-up from peter or myself uh so we're actually still in the midst of kind of trying to watch a lot of the television show which we'll talk about in a second, that is leading to this movie uh, end cap or sequel or follow-up uh, so that we can know what the fuck is going on. This is one where uh, – so we're starting with Transformers the movie, the 1986 animated film uh, that came out in between Transformers second and third season and did a pretty major reboot of the series in a lot of different ways that I'm excited to talk about with you, Peter. I um, I am pretty familiar with uh, the Transformers cartoon. At least this cartoon. I'm not one of those people like, I can't tell you what happened in Beast Wars or all the different reboots, but I'm very familiar with uh, Transformers. So Beast Wars is, is a, I don't know if canonical, but it is a like official continuation. I believe Beast Wars is, but since then there has been so many. Um, okay, because I've seen so Beast many Transformers. That's the okay. One, that's the only of the series. The only reason I interrupted you is that's the only one of the no. series that I've watched extensively. Like I used to wake up early to watch Beast Wars, and then when SpongeBob would come on, I, I would get to watch like the first segment, and then I have to go shower for school. That makes a bit of sense because like that's kind of Beast Wars. I tried watching because I. Uh, it probably came out when I was like 12 or 13, but I think just from an, a demographic age group from us, uh, Beast Wars was like the first uh, Transformers TV show in a long time. Um, and it did follow this continuity with obviously a lot of changes and some terrible 90s reboot style CGI graphics, if I remember correctly. But I mean, obviously, there is like at this point, there is a ton of Transformers media uh, that has come out. And I'm essentially familiar with two things pretty well, which is the Generation 1 television show, uh, and then more recently, the IDW comics continuity that runs from about 2000 to 2008. It basically is one giant mythology story. It runs about 426 issues. I'm about 370 issues into that, which I started almost uh, two years ago now. So the one thing I would note is that like the IDW is taking these things, the, these characters, and doing its own thing. The Transformers cartoon is very separate from it, even though it has a lot. You know, I think one thing I've learned as I've um, uh, reading up on like some of the different incarnations of Transformers, which at this point is plenty. Um, a lot of them take you know characters and make them have similar arcs and stuff like that, without it necessarily all following the same exact story or the same continuity and stuff like that. And you know that's that shouldn't be unfamiliar. Like my my uh, kids and I have been watching; they're obsessed with Spider Man right now. We've been watching all the different Spider Man shows that are on you know, on Disney Plus or, or, or Hulu or stuff like that. And, you know, there's like two seasons of this Spider-Man show, five seasons of this Spider-Man show. They're not connected in any way. And Transformers has had a run like that, especially in the last uh, 15 or so years as the as the movies became popular. Uh, so that's where we're starting. It makes the most sense to start. It has the least amount of kind of catch up or refresher or homework for Peter or myself, which I think is going to make this extra funny because, I mean, this this movie is like 
I hope you know everyone. And even someone who knows everyone, it's easy to be like, uh, I could get confused. So I, I do not have an It would be very funny if I did a lot of pre-research and watched seasons of the show. And then I was like, can't wait to hang out with my favorite characters. Oh, God, they're all dead. They're all dead. Uh, they, they could have been more dead. I, I'm kind of excited to kind of walk through that a little bit. Um, so, so yeah. So, this – so, we're starting with Transformers, um, which, again, is, is not something I have an encyclopedic knowledge of. It's not like a Star Trek The Next Generation where I was on our sidecast where I was um, – like obsessed in reading books and stuff like that. This came out as I was a young age. I'll talk about kind of where this comes from. My, my love of uh, generation one transformers. Uh, but just to give you kind of a, a previews of what, what's coming the rest of this month, we're doing uh, X-Files fight the future, uh, which is the movie that took place in between, uh, I think seasons five and season six of the X-Files, um, which I saw in theaters and I was a huge X-Files, uh, person and I loved it. And the, I, that's a movie that, um, is definitely, a um, a, a movie that serves to try to cross the line between a pretty major, uh, 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 continuity, uh, you know, mythology episode while still trying to attract people to the theaters that hadn't seen it through the summer. I don't really have to do any catch up on that. I may watch the season five uh, finale and then maybe the season six premiere is just for fun. But uh, the other kind of two big ones that Peter and I are embarking on is that I had never seen Neon Genesis Evangelion despite three aborted attempts to watch it over the course of my life from like 15 on. Which which actually is a strange correlation to Transformers, which we're going to talk about today. I'm about like 18 episodes into the the series, and and we're going to watch the the movie End of Evangelion, which I know people fucking love. So I'm very excited for that because I'm extreme. I'm enjoying the show quite a bit. I'm people. I, I'm people now too, or will be people. People loving people, and they're angels. In in this universe of Evangelion, <laughs> there are people. There are angels. She's like, why can't they get along? You know? <laughs> yeah, why Why is any of those angels tried to touch them? Like that show, Touched by an Angel. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, touched by an Angel was just the, what they called, uh, <laughs> the American dub of uh, the Genesis Evangelion. Oh, I so I kind of had... wives were obsessed with it. So, unfortunately, I did have the, the Sophie's choice of not watching TV or watching Touched by an Angel sometimes as a kid. You're saying I've seen it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Um, I did wonder why Roma Downey kept getting into that mech. Uh, <laughs> she she uh, has to get in the mech. Gotta get in the mech. You gotta uh, and then we're doing the one that is requiring Peter probably a little bit of stress. Um, Ring in my hands. Uh, but we're doing Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, which um, uh, Peter, you have only seen the first season of Twin Peaks, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, I've seen the first season and then I, I know roughly how it ends, but I gave up on the second season when I was watching it through um, because I was like, well... At the time when I watched it, there wasn't the return or anything to cue me up. And I was like, well, I don't really I don't really need to watch the, the season that like David Lynch didn't even fully work he on. He didn't leave till episode whatever I said it was, seven nine. or nine. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I don't, I don't know if I need to like <laughs> I don't need to like participate in uh, the show after David Lynch leaves. And I just remember there being a lot of like guy on a motorcycle around. That's my only oh memory my God. of it. We'll, we'll talk about this. So that's what we're doing. We're starting with Transformers the movie because A, least amount of homework for all of us. And 
Uh, and B, it kind of is the first example of this for the most part. Like this, uh, and and Hasbro and uh, which produced this movie actually did it three times at once. So for those for for you don't for for those of you that don't know. Uh, Transformers uh, was a television show produced by Hasbro, a toy company, as many of our 80s childhood cartoons were, where they made toys and they made uh, cartoons to help uh, sell those toys. That is why so many of the shows, when you go back to, uh, whether it's Masters of the Universe or um, or Transformers or G.I. Joe or any of those kind of shows, what I have found especially is that a lot of my Positive memories that are tied up in those shows are more around um, me buying action figures of those characters and having fun playing with them and then like getting my story ideas for the, you know, my playing with my brother Luke from uh, from the television show. Now, it is true that I really enjoyed watching those television shows as a kid. But one thing I have found, which is actually, I think, extremely important to why why we're talking about Transformers in this movie, is that as I had the chance to kind of rewatch some of these shows for the first time, I found that, like, they were barely enjoyable and even in an ironic way. Like, I think I bought the first two seasons of Masters of the Universe. And I, I'm not – like, when they first came out, like, on DVD on a season on a box set, like, in 2002 or whatever. And, like, I don't know if I ever got through an episode. Like, I kind of tried. And I'm like, maybe season two I'll get some fun out of it. And I just never did. And that, that's actually a very common thing I found. Just because these shows weren't produced for stories. They weren't produced for uh, for – uh, anything trying to narrative. It was that idea of kids will watch anything. Anything kids watch, kids will want to buy toys from. And so there, there really are these very cynical things. So Hasbro had three cartoon properties that were extraordinarily popular in the mid mid and early 80s. And those are G.I. Joe, My Little Pony, and Transformers. So they decided to make, uh, make theatrical movies for all three of these. G.I. Joe was kind of their biggest property at the time. They kind of rushed that one into production first. That ended up um, go, uh, going through some delays. And so Transformers kind of ended up being the one that was going to be first released through theaters in 1986. Hasbro had a lot of demands around kids are going to want to go see this movie. We're going to have a toy line that supports it. And then we're going to have a third season of the television show. Kids are going to only need so many versions of Optimus Prime and and Starscream and Megatron and all that stuff. So let's kill off everyone and replace them with new toys via this movie. Uh, that was the original plan. The original plan was to kill off every single character from the first two seasons. Uh, a lot of the writers on the show who fought back a lot, a lot of writers and the people that made this movie and worked on the show will tell you they were 100% against Optimus Prime dying, but uh, the Hasbro executives for some reason just were like, I don't understand, they're just toys. They're robots, they die, you get them new robots, the kids uh, the kids will be excited. So uh, I think it ex one of the reasons this movie is fascinating is that this extraordinarily cynical marketing ploy for kids actually makes some, uh, some this like unique art object that doesn't have anything that approaches this uh, by way of like contemporary uh, equivalent media. And uh, the movie was such a uh, like – 
kids were leaving the theater crying because Optimus Prime and all these other characters died, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, that they they changed uh, – G.I. Joe was also going to kill off a bunch of its characters. They changed it. They have like these weird voiceovers on that movie that came out direct-to-video a year later because the, the Transformers, the movie, and Milo Pond, the movie, the movie, which did get to theaters, were 100% not successful from a box office perspective. Um, and and uh, so they like overdubbed and changed the G.I. Joe movie because they're like, oh, that didn't work. Nobody dies. Is that where no. the Duke's okay comes from? Yeah, where Duke clearly dies, um, who's like the main G.I. Joe character. And then at the very end of the movie, there's a voiceover where they you see all the characters gathering in a medical bay and they go, Duke's going to make it. And everyone puts their hands up and down. <laughs> You've been saying that on the show for so many years. And I'm yeah. now just putting all the pieces together. <laughs> Duke's okay. Um, so it, it was... You know, it, it, it is this movie that I think a lot of people. I saw it. I I I I've always said that I saw it in theaters, and honestly, if I'm like, I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or I saw it like when it first came out in video in like 1987 uh, for for sure. But I I definitely saw it and I enjoyed it. And I love Transformers. I had a Hot Rod. The first Transformer uh, that I got was a was a Hot Rod. I remember I got it for like Christmas of 1988. Um, my brother Luke got. Um, got jazz uh and and we love those and um but i i would say that my kind of you know at at the time it was just here's here's a property i like i like the toys i like playing with them it didn't rise to the level level of other stuff that i ended up like at that time truly falling in love with which was uh stuff like dino riders which a lot of people probably don't remember but like from a toy perspective dino rider was essentially the (laughs) the the alpha and the omega and then later on uh much like every other kid in my age group, uh, just becoming completely fucking obsessed with Ninja Turtles, uh, watching the television show, having all the toys. You know, those are really my big obsessions. And what's really weird about Transformers, from my perspective, is it's something that I kind of re-came to a little bit later in life in like when I was in junior high and in high school um, with Peter, a little callback. Uh, my same friend who was super into who who was into techno, um, uh, who had gotten me into techno and stuff like that. He was he was really into anime, uh, and he had tried. He he would sometimes show me various anime movies and stuff like that. He was the one who I watched the first couple episodes back in like nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight when he went and ordered import VHSs to watch Neon Genesis Evangelion and stuff like that. And uh, we were hanging out when they Rhino Video released re-released for the first time since it initially been put out in video in 1987 the transformers movie on vhs and he ended up buying it because he was like this is actually like this was made with this cool japanese studio i think it's sunbow i want to say made the movie yeah and i was i was i was like oh yeah i remember that movie i loved that stuff and so we ended up watching it and then I ended up buying a copy and we just kind of started, ended up watching it uh, a decent amount. And you're going to say, oh, you're probably smoking pot. Unfortunately, I was not cool enough to do drugs. No one, no one offered me drugs as Dare said. Um, but it was just, and then, and then Rhino started to release two episodes of the series on VHS. So it just be kind of became one of those things where we started, uh, buying the VHSs that that Rhino was releasing of two episodes and like having a lot of fun revisiting it in a way that 
didn't hit me the same way with with other things I would revisit around this time. So at the same time, that's when I would like start scouring video stores for like Thundercats and Voltron and G.I. Joe. And I would find like old VHSs and Rhino was starting to release some. And this is like right on the precipice of like the DVD age and stuff like that. None of the other stuff I enjoyed as much as Transformers. And I don't have a good reason for it. Like even today, going back and watching Transformers episodes, um, I have like I get a lot of legitimate enjoyment from watching it in a way that even stuff that I theoretically liked a lot more, like the real Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, I just don't have as much fun watching the the eighties the cartoons. And so you know, I've told you for a long. So th- this is a movie that I ended up liking a lot. It also just became became one of those things like as as kind of eye rolling as this is, Peter. Like it also just became a thing for me. Where, like, I put up, I bought the poster and I put it up in my college dorm. And I, you know, would occasionally make my friends in college, like, you know, we have a few drinks and I'd make them watch the Transformers movie and stuff like that. And, like, when this, when Rhino started releasing the seasons on DVD, I bought them all. And I, 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 I bought a lot of seasons on DVD of old 80s and 90s shows. This is the only series uh, that I watched all the way through, like, went and actually watched every episode and, Occasionally would rewatch episodes that I really enjoyed. And then my brother Jacob, who was nine or ten at the time, uh, I got him really into it. So him and I it was like a bonding thing. When I would come back from college, we would watch Transformers. I bought him when they finally released a Unicron toy, Peter, in 2005. I like saved up money because I didn't have that much money in 2005. And I bought it for him as like a uh, a Christmas present. So like – there was just something about it that like it's not like one of those things that I was obsessed with in a, as a kid and then kind of stayed weirdly obsessed my entire life. But it was just something I got a lot of enjoyment out of and all, and for some ineffable reason. And that's true about this movie. We're going to talk about this movie here. I recognize that it's gobbledygook in a lot of ways. But like my enjoyment of this movie is non-ironic. Like I don't watch this and like I legitimately – enjoy on every level watching this movie. It is not a chore. It is not something where I'm trying to force myself to get through because it's something I liked as a kid and I'm getting nostalgia pains or something like that. It is something uh, that I I just supremely like. The the I think the equivalent that I can think of is stuff like the way I still get that same level of enjoyment from of something I loved as a kid is like a Pee-wee's Playhouse or something like that. Like my kids love watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. Thank, thankfully, I get all I get tons of enjoyment, probably more than I did as a kid of watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. That one I can probably parse into words in a better way than I can with why I like this movie and Generation One Transformers so much, which is a little harder for me to explain. I think even to myself. But it is something that I I kind of love and uh, I get – you know, uh, the last thing I'll say, Peter, because I know I've been kind of explaining this a while, but I, I do feel like this requires some some level of biographical setup is that like when I was – when I told you that I had heard good things about the IDW Transformers comic run, I was getting into comics and I said I'll give it a try and I was pretty hooked immediately <laughs> and I was telling you about it and I said – but I, I can't in good faith recommend it to you or anyone I know. Like, this is hitting me in some, like, you know, primordial brain thing that I fucking love. But I think – but it's not something I could ever recommend to someone else 
in good faith unless they already had a affinity for Transformers. So yeah, so all this comes like way before the Michael Bay movie for me. I I really did enjoy the first Michael Bay movie because it was just fucking cool as shit to see. I hated, hated the second one. I enjoyed the third one to some respect and um, I I never saw the other ones except Bumblebee. Bumblebee was was great. And then the only other thing is that people um, generally, uh, all of them I think have like their rep has diminished over time but like Bumblebee is the one that I feel like I hear like, okay, they they made a good one. They did. I, I would recommend uh, I would recommend Bumblebee. Takes place in the eighties. It technically uh, is a kind of a reboot of the movie franchise. It's um, it's 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 pretty fun. The only other thing I can say that like I had a deep, had still I guess has somewhat of a deep affinity for is that um, they made some really good Transformers games, uh, video games, for, especially for the Xbox three hundred and sixty. War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron, which are Generation One uh, in the continuity of the cartoon, and they were a blast to play. Um, and then Transformers Devastation, which came out a couple years ago from Platinum Games, which was done in the cartoon style. Uh, not only did I play the whole game and fucking loved it, uh, I used the PS4 feature where you put on Spotify and I just played the soundtrack for this movie <laughs> on repeat when I played that game. And it was it was great. I'd highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I played I played uh, the last one, the de- de- devastation. Devastation. Um, I played the last one, and I found it. I found it kind of fun, but it it all comes back to an initial problem that I have with this this world, which is that like because I have I was not eased into it as a child. Yeah. It's almost like you're asking me to read hieroglyphics at times because like yeah, I cannot decipher who is who. <laughs> what they're doing in most shots i have no idea who the bad guys or the good guys are like all problems that like somebody who grew up with this would have zero problems with but i'm like squinting looking to see if somebody has like the transformers like autobot logo on their chest to find out if i'm supposed to root for them or not and like part of that is also this movie does not have a orchestral score like you would in even the michael bay movies um yeah it is just an amazing, fucking rad, like eighties, like hair metal, like like power, like power rock kind of soundtrack that never ever stops. And then it also features Weird Al Yankovic, Dare to Be Stupid. I know it's that's so great. I have I, I literally I, stopped the movie. I was like, wait. Is this a cover of Dare to be Stupid or is this actually Dare to be Stupid? I haven't heard this, the Dare to be Stupid, like a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kept playing it and I like looked it up. I was like, they actually, Weird Al actually used Dare to be Stupid. Yeah. It's so great. And also like uh, Stan Bush is the touch is a kind of a weirdly iconic song, not just from this movie, but from it's the song that Dirk Diggler, uh, you know, sings when he's making his uh, – his album in Boogie Nights, he sings, you got the touch. Like, I don't know why they picked that song. The the song The Touch by Stan Bush. Um, it's also in yeah. uh, Saints Row 3, I want to say. Oh, yeah, uh, 4. I mean, there it's referencing a, a kind of a revitalized popularity of the, of this movie. Um, yeah, it's the one with superpowers because it was – I loved being able to run around and play the song. This That song is my alarm. On my cell phone, it has been for six years. Um, <laughs> when I watch, it, it's a great song to wake up to. It makes me happy every time. Oh, dude, uh, mine that, is a jam. You want to know what it is? What's yours? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's a good one. Dun, 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 dun. 
I'm surprised yours isn't like themed from Halloween. <laughs> just, just wake I, up and shit your pants. I used to have, I used to have a bunch of them, but I realized that it was ruining every song. I used to be less of a morning person than I am now, but it was ruining every song. There's a song by Architecture oh, yeah. Helsinki called "One Heavy February" that, like, if you play it for me now. Like that band doesn't really like much of a band these days anymore. But like, I I randomly randomly was playing in like a cell phone commercial or something or in a movie, and like I actively like jolted. I was like, oh, I have to get up. <laughs> like, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I I I ruined too many songs. Um, with with uh with having it um as as an alarm clock, I actually ruined way more by. Do you remember when they first started? I mean, this is probably like yeah, I remember. And they always were able to do that when I had a cell phone. So, but when you first be able, you were able to like associate rings with specific people. Like I, you know, I would like oh, this is my girlfriend's ring at the time, right? Well, the problem is is that like you break up, and now that like. That song was like your you you like oh this is Christina or so and so calling right yeah well, uh, yeah I I like even to this day there's a couple songs where I associated with like you know you know tough tough breakups or something like that where I literally if I hear it it's just like yeah let's change that song as quickly as possible because um, <laughs> I I had a teacher who was a very a uh, high school teacher who was very troubled he's a very had a very uh, strange life, but he was one of those teachers that everyone loved because he was just kind of a, a strange man. Yeah. Um, and he, um, it's like, uh, it's like that onion article, cool dad, terrible father. Yes, yes, yes. It was, it was basically that, which fortunately he's not, not a father to my knowledge. Um, he, uh, he, whenever his wife would call, he was one of those teachers who like never turned his cell phone off. And whenever his yeah. wife would call, it would be the like Imperial March from Darth Vader. Like, oh yeah. Da, 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 yeah. Da, whatever that John Williams movement is called. And, um, <laughs> and we all thought it was so funny. And it wasn't until like I was in college. It was like, he was making fun of his wife to a, a, a classes after classes of 16-year-olds. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, oh, he uh, got divorced. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's so that, that kind of like just acceptable, toxic, pervasive, like, look, he hates his wife. <laughs> what a cool dude. I, I had a sociology teacher in high school who like told the story of his divorce and one day like put – a country song on about like how his uh how he got the dog and his wife took everything else is like this reminds me of what like it's like she's just like looking back it's like what the fuck was any of that um uh thankfully i hope i mean i hope that a teacher would get reported but i think no one even knew that it was something you shouldn't do i don't know uh but uh i'm sure i'm sure many people in the class were like, this is <laughs> you meaning you meaning a bunch of uh, 15 year olds didn't tell him that that was toxic <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's like there was a lot of like if a teacher's doing it, I guess it's okay, uh, which is how a lot of terrible things happen, I guess, with that attitude. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, so I will also note like it was uh, Zach, uh, Zach uh, uh, Sanucci, who's been on the show. Big, he's been a long time listener to the show. He was on for Blade 2. We've known he like way back like six years ago. We were talking about like what songs woke us up, and I think I was using like "Ludicrous Stand Up" or something, which is a good song to wake you up. Or, um, or, or no, "Ludicrous" is "Get Back." That's what I was using for a little bit, and just because it, it really like jolts you with energy really quickly. And he's like, "Nah, I've only had one alarm clock song, and it's been Stan Bush's The Touch." And I'm like, "Holy shit, that is the best 
fucking idea. I switched it that day and I've never looked back. Um, which also means that so I've seen I saw this they did a um a fathom event and showed this in theaters uh like four years ago, three years ago. Um uh, which was packed, and I took Maya, who at the time was like four, just because I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I, I've always wanted to see it in theaters. Or, um, uh, so she got very excited every time the song came on because she's like, oh, it's like it's like the song your phone makes all the time. And then uh, we she watched it again with me for this time, and every time the song came on, she was like. Oh. But she she left this this time like she's seven years old and she was she was pretty into it she I mean she definitely Peter had a lot of questions about who was good guys and who was bad guys and what the fuck was going on uh, but like she wanted to watch more at the end of it and like wanted to know if she she's like here's my here's my three favorite in order and she wanted to know if she could buy toys for them um, do you want to guess you don't have to guess the order. Do you have? Would you even be able to say names or beyond what 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 her three favorite were from this movie? Optimus Prime. No. You think she likes the chump that dies in fifteen minutes? Uh, 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 She's uh, no connection Grimlock? to him. No. Grim- S- scuttlebutt. I don't think there's not a scuttlebutt. I mean, there's screech. Could be, but I, I don't think there's a screech. DJ Tanner. Uh yes, DJ Tanner. I famously thought Screech was one. What's the pterodactyl dinosaur into a Christian sweep? (laughs) What Um, would you say? Sorry, sweep, sweep. Uh, Starscream is that one? Starscream is one. Yeah, he's he's the he's he's the I Starscream. He's he's that voice, which is always the second command voice. (laughs) That's oh yeah, that's also one indicator that I I knew he was one of the bad guys. That's I mean that's the thing if they if they talk like that. You got a pretty good ch- if they say things like uh, "we're gonna rip him open," like pretty good chant. There's not a lot of dialogue, so if they say mean things, uh, then they're they're usually bad guys. No, she loved um, RC. Not surprising. Uh, the the uh, which was actually we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So she loved the the girl, <laughs> the girl transformer, uh, RC. She loved Blur. Uh, who was the guy that talked really fast? Who was voiced by the Micro Machine guy? Was like absolutely, positively, definitely. Oh. Um, and because she, every time he talked, she was laughing hysterically. She loved it, and then she liked uh, Hot Rod uh, quite a, quite a bit. So let's start there. So they want to kill off a bunch of people. They successfully do. They kill off everyone. Uh, to set up a third season that gets a little a little weirder. There's two things about this movie that I think are just generally fascinating before we get into probably, Peter, a little bit of the plot. And we can have a little, like, question answer in, in your experience watching it. One, and this even compared to the other, like, Hasbro movies that came out. Um, like, the big get in the G.I. Joe movie was, like... You know, Sergeant Slaughter playing Sergeant Slaughter. You know, not not a huge get um, in general. But this has a pretty impressive and eclectic voice cast. Oh, yeah. For the 80s, uh, which also like, you know, like piqued my interest when I like rediscovered it in the in the you know late 90s because it's got Leonard Nimoy. It's got Orson Welles, who I knew that I'd seen Citizen Kane at that point. Um, it has um, Judd Nelson. <laughs> was the voice of Hot Rod. And then, like, you know, I discovered Monty Python by this point, too. So seeing Eric Idle was in this. Holy shit. Like, 
And then you have the little stuff, too, like, oh, there's Robert Stack, the unsolved mystery guys and the voice of the micro machines guy. Like, this has a very, very fun cast. Yeah, yeah, though, I like I I do caveat. I agree with you, but I do caveat that with I find essentially zero percent of the jokes funny. Um, And like the old Eric Idle sequence where he's just speaking gobbledygook to he's speaking uh, TV. He speaks TV, Peter. Well, so there's a there's a common phrase in the universe that they they speak to each other. um, Yeah, that's it's not it's not a common phrase. The universal greeting. Is, sorry, did you look those? Did you look up common phrase up in a, in a thesaurus? I'm just, I'm just, sure, I'm just saying it's, it's the it's the universal greeting. It's the universal greeting. Can you okay. say it, Peter? Could you say it? Um, it's um. <clears throat> let me clear. I, actually, I should have checked this at the beginning of the episode to know that you were cool. <laughs> well, now you, now you know I'm not. Have you checked uh, any of the previous 700 episodes we've done to find out if I'm cool? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, it's um. Ba wa na creep nini bops. Yeah, nini 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 bops. Nini Varata. Um uh, yeah, it's uh yeah, he means he, he gets TV. Again, it, I, of course most of the jokes aren't funny. Most of the things that I find legitimately funny are like the um I got better things to do tonight than die. Yeah, those lines all made me laugh. All yeah. and, and that's similar a similar function to the hair metal um power ballad stuff um that stuff i all thought i thought was fucking rad similar to that all the like um uh 80s one-liners but for children um so soup so squeaky clean Um, well well, sometimes not squeaky clean yeah or or well yeah there there are a couple did someone say like he's gonna beat the shit out of us or something he says no there's there's a few swears they so hasbro did not want this movie rated p uh g because they thought that would scare away a certain audience. So to make sure it was rated PG, they put, uh, you know, a damn and a couple hells. But then most famously, they put a part where uh, they're like uh, Spike, one of the human characters, as they're about to get eaten by uh, by by uh, Unicron says, "Oh shit! What are we gonna do now?" That's what part of the reason. <laughs> part of the reason that's famous is because that was edited out of the '87 VHS release, the the first one that came out, and then the original Rhino uh, VHS release kept like used the that version, and it wasn't till the DVD release and the first DVD release said like uncut version in a yellow banner, uh, they finally put. Oh shit! The scene was there. It just said, "Oh no, what are we gonna do now?" As opposed to, "Oh shit, what are we gonna do now?" But that was very specific to make sure that, that it was seen less as kitty fair. Uh, did um, you? Well, you forgot one line. What? Optimus Prime going, uh, "He shot me. He shot me right in my robot balls." You fucking asshole! I fucking hate you. Uh, come shot. Uh, yeah. Uh, did they ever? Do the Transformers ever like just just? <laughs> Come, it's like the ghost house guy asking <laughs> asking questions about how Transformers. <laughs> All right, so we need to make this movie a little PG. We want the cool kids, like the Tylers, to to come to the theater. Um, 
can we kind of punch the script up, make it a little bit more mature, make the parents, uh, you know, kind of have to look at their kids and be like, you can't say that at home just because <laughs> Optimus Prime says hey, it. Hey, just because Fight Wit Wiki said it, <laughs> his son wasn't there. And he, about, and he, I tell you what, if you're about to get eaten by a planet, you can say shit. <laughs> Otherwise... <laughs> It's very, frankly very reserved of him to just say shit once when oh, he's about to be shit. What are we gonna do now? Smelted into death so that uh, Unicron can turn his robot suit into more Unicron. Um, yeah. So, any ideas on how we can punch up any moments in the movie we think we can um, maybe have some swears? Nothing crazy though. It's for kids. We want PG. Uh, how about? How about um... When Optimus Prime gets stabbed in the chest, he, like, curls over and goes, Oh, fuck me with your robot dick. <laughs> I think we were thinking something more along the lines of, um, you, you fucked me, you fucked me just like Jack Ruby, um, this is an inside job. Yeah, that'll put it in. We'll see if it gets. We'll see if we'll, we'll, that gets to the PG. But yeah, so that that was a very funny thing about this movie, and the fact that like they finally released a uncut, uh, uncut version. But yeah, it it does have a lot of those eighties eighties hair metal. The cast is very fun. Let's let's talk about the way that this really did something weird for the series, though. Which Peter, which is partially why I think you were you like this this movie is not interested and again this is clearly like a shitty capitalist decision that made something i think accidentally very unique yeah um it has no interest whatsoever in uh so uh the story of the first two seasons of the television show is that the decepticons led by megatron have taken over their home planet of cybertron takes place in 1985 when the when the tv show came out and to retreat optimus prime the leader of the good guys this is a four million. Actually, this is 1985. This is four million years in the past. They um, they head out looking for Energon, which is basically their you know their currency and their power and their food and everything else. So it's it's and, like their NFTs. Yeah, exactly. They go out looking for their NFTs, and they uh, they cr- they basically crash on Earth. Um, and they get they, – they all go dormant. They power off in like this volcano. Megatron and a, and a band of um, of Decepticons follow them to kill Optimus Prime because it's their last stand. They end up in the situation. So fast forward four million years later on Earth, they all get woken up by something. I forget exactly. And that's why they go – they always had alt modes – uh, which is like their car or vehicle form, but they like to blend in initially with the people of Earth and not get caught while they try to figure out how where they are, when they are, and get back home to Cybertron. They uh, they take the disguises, they scan the disguises of Earth vehicles, and then eventually um, make friends with um, Spike and his dad. Spike's a kid in the uh, in the in the television show. Um, and Megatron does the same thing. They wake up. So most of the show is like them at Earth at opposite bases, not unlike like a Technodrome sewer situation, trying to not reveal themselves to humans while, you know, taking in a having some incidents with them, trying to find Energon on Earth to get back home to Cybertron. And it takes place in like 1985. Um, 
most most of the characters in the movie after the last 20 minutes are not on the TV show. So you have Ironhide and Starscream and Soundwave and Megatron and Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and all these people. The movie with no warning, so that that just kind of happens on the show. It is like an 80s television show in that big things happen, everything gets resolved. It is odd in that it has a lot of like multi-part episodes, like three-part, four parts, which was pretty rare for a, a kid's show that had this idea of like you get in for 20 minutes and you're out, which is why I think a lot of people who, like myself, later were like, God, I'd love to have a fucking TV show that remembered something that happened last week, uh, even among the adult shows I was watching. Uh, didn't do that. So this movie was really odd in that not not it like it just said okay it's twenty years in the future they did get back to Cybertron and now there's all these new things going on like it just does this like jump that for you I'm sure and parents that took their kids to it probably didn't parse how big of a change it was. So all of a sudden like Spike and his dad are not there anymore. Spike is now an adult. Apparently has another kid named named Daniel. Almost every character that you meet from a protagonist standpoint in this movie, with the exception of Optimus Prime and Megatron, and is either killed in the first few minutes or is barely there. Like, if Peter, you watching this movie, I bet you had to assume that people like Daniel and Hot Rod and Cup and RC and all like these were known to people who watched the cartoon. They are not – they are new characters introduced in this movie. I assumed that they moved backbenchers to the top to um, – To set up Ultra Magnus, the other – like the, the second event, not on the TV. Like almost none of these people who you have by the end of this movie were characters in the TV show. So, uh, yeah. So, like that actually sets up – what when I was watching it, apart from Optimus Prime, for most of the characters, I was like – yeah, they probably like they're doing like a um, it's like a war movie almost like they're introducing yeah. you a bunch of characters. So it feels tragic when they die really quickly. And then we have to like go to the B team. It's almost like uh, in MacGyver when he accidentally kills a whole truck full of guys. Um, <laughs> not a war movie, but or MacGruber. Sorry. And he actually I wish that was an episode of MacGruber. MacGruber. <laughs> oh, I fucked up. <laughs> oh. Um, so yeah um, not a war movie but like that's another like comedic example I could think of where like um, they introduce you to all these guys and you think they're going to be effectual and they end up being nothing Um, there's a lot of movies that kind of pull this trick because it's very funny to like usurp um, how story building works because we're supposed to be introduced to all these heroes and then we're supposed to like maybe lose one of them and that like builds some drama instead we're introduced to all these i'm introduced to all these heroes and i'm like yeah these these must be the main characters and then the bad guys break into the ship and shoot half of them yeah like some big ones like ironhide who and dies so fucking hard when one of them just turns himself into a gun oh so megatron so the thing about <laughs> megatron which is always kind of dumb it, so it 100 was dumb he turns himself into a gun that Starscream shoots. Uh, <laughs> Maybe now, so hard. And I, I'm, a, I, I'm a Camaro. I'm a Big Mac truck. I'm a Harrier jet. I'm a gun. I'm a tiny gun that my second in command who fucking hates me shoots. Um, so 
the the continu- so at least when he turns into Galvatron, which we'll get to, we'll get to. It. At least they they realize like, oh, what if he's a giant fucking cannon? Now the thing about Megatron as a gun was this idea that like part of the reason that Megatron rose to power is that um, he he has like a plasma uh, core or something, and that now. Again, from like an 80s television show, most of the time their lasers are like when they get shot with them, they're like, ooh, owie. Now, this movie, basically, if you get like – if someone grazes you, you die. But that was – people got shot on the TV show and I think part of the reason why uh, – you know, it's not like when you watch G.I. Joe that pe- the people were getting riddled with bullets. Part of, I think, one of the reasons why – the, this show is still somewhat entertaining is that people were allowed to get banged up because they were fucking giant robots, right? Like they could get shot with eight laser guns. You don't you don't know how many laser laser shots a robot a giant robot can take. Like as far as you know, they're all fifty cent. Like you know, they can get twelve to thirteen laser shots a night. Go out and make hit studio albums. Um, that actually makes but, them stronger. Yeah, makes them just angrier <laughs> at job rule. Yeah, but shoot me once, sure wouldn't be a big deal. Now shoot me twice. Also, I, I'd probably be fine. Now three times. Now you know I'll probably it might hurt, but yeah, I'll probably also be fine. So the thing about Megatron as a gun, or when he shoots, was this idea that like his his plasma gun was actually like. Something that wasn't – it wasn't a BB gun. Like it would fuck you up and people were scared of it and stuff like that. Does not change how fucking silly it looks. But if you want to know like where they tried to be like, okay, why does he change it to a gun besides like to make five-year-old boys horny or whatever? Yeah. It made me laugh so fucking hard because I was like, oh, they broke into the ship. Now there's going to be a big fight. I'm assuming they're going to take some of these characters that they just introduced me to hostage or something. You know, maybe they'll kill some scrubs. They kill the scrubs. Then they kill like named characters that I didn't know because, again, the pattern recognition thing where I'm just like, yeah, you said their names and I was trying to learn their names and it seemed and they have voice actors and oh, they're gone. (laughs) Well, Ironhide is the guy who like is like, no, and they shoot like in the first five minutes of the movie. Ironhide was the second in command like of like it basically went like if you went main characters of the Autobots on the first two seasons of the television show, it was basically um, Optimus Prime, Ironhide, and then uh, maybe like Bumblebee or something. Um, and so you got like, such a scrub death. Yeah, I I know. That's why, like, the idea that you'd be like, oh, he's the second most important. He's basically, like, the second – he's the star scream on the Autobot side. Like, why would you ever even uh, know that? But they kill Prowl. They kill Ratchet. Like, they kill a bunch of, like, named characters who were extremely important uh, in the the series. Now, what's funny – I'll pause here for a second on the killing everyone – because there actually was this this movie went into production at the end of season one. So in season two, normal cartoon and toy style, they introduce a bunch of characters who just because they end up surviving to season three and four of the television show, Peter, because the writers didn't know they existed enough to add them in the movie and kill them off. <laughs> so you have you also have a bunch of like if you, if you were a kid watching the TV show, what you have is all the main characters from the first core season of the show where you got interested for the most part with the, with a couple exceptions like Soundwave and, and Bumblebee end up surviving. 
get killed off. All the new characters that you've gotten to know in season two are just non-existent. And then then all of a sudden there's all these new people you've never heard of that everyone – like Ultra Magnus, a guy you've never heard of, is is Optimus Prime second command? Weird. The whole show seems to be about a savior character named Hot Rod. Never heard of that guy or his mentor Cup. Never heard of the Autobot Matrix of leadership that Optimus Prime carries. Like, you know, all this stuff that just gets introduced to either move the plot around or ultimately – to sell toys. So, yeah, you you do I, – I was wondering if you got that kind of like, oh, if you went and saw this movie, none of these people, anyone knew who they were. Like by the end of the movie, because um, even the, prote- the, the Decepticons, like, you know, Megatron has died and been replaced by – his spark has been morphed into Galvatron um, and some of the other characters who are dead are like – make up these new these new bad guys um, and then Starscream and most of the other named Decepticons you know are dead you basically have a confrontation between a bunch of people that no prior to this movie just didn't exist yeah I, I it, it didn't have the emotional impact it would have had if I either were a five year old child or the parent of a five year old child who uh, may have brought uh, a small plastic version of the characters that are dying on screen being executed gangland style uh <laughs> Yeah, um, they, I mean, they, getting shot like they getting shot like they owe Megatron money. Like, uh, yeah, I'm just probably like his death is rough. Like he, he gets shot like die die, and he gets shot at when he's like bullets. he gets shot in like the the shitty deceptive way. I mean, he Megatron is a deceptive con, right? Decepticon, De- deceptive con. He is. I mean, no, the deceptive. <laughs> I mean, with all the things they eventually introduce, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a a deceptive con. <laughs> the only point. deceptive con I know was in the White House from 2017 to 2021. <laughs> I think you mean 1787 to <laughs> present. <laughs> um, no, no such thing as good president, folks. We haven't had one yet. Um, so, uh, uh, so we, yeah, so, so he, the the thing that the thing that messes with me when I'm watching it is like yeah, like being unable to grasp the characters, even to understand that loss. But I find this interesting, and why I wanted to I wanted to cover on the show, even though I have like no attachment really to Transformers. I have yeah. some attachment to Beast Wars, even though I, I probably couldn't name any of the characters. I watched a lot of it. But what about Optimal Prime? <laughs> I bet you their names are all like Lionbot. No, that's true. Optimus Prime becomes Optimal Prime on that show. Oh shit. Then I do, yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, now you're wondering. Wait a sec. This follows the Generation One continuity, and Optimus Prime is in it. Well, Peter, I'll get there. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was asking that question certainly. Um. I wasn't. More, I, I more wasn't trying to think of what cool animals turned into robots on the show. <laughs> um. But uh, I was going to say. Oh, but. Are the the the, mo- the ones that feel like they were most obviously trying to target me as a child, but I just wasn't generationally there. Yeah, I, I I only I had some generational crossover with you for Ninja Turtles. I loved Ninja Turtles, um, but I, that was probably like when you were getting out of Ninja Turtles and I was getting into them. Were probably was probably the window. Um, so I never got. So in fairness, um, the. Ninja Turtles ran for 10 seasons. The last two seasons got super interesting where they once again – this is a trigger word for me. Like they introduced a uh, uh, soap opera continuity storytelling where 
it was one giant story told over the the whole season, which is again just something that I. One of the reasons I was obsessed with this show called Exo Squad is that every episode it said to be continued for the entire season it had a beginning, had a middle, and an end, and that just was so unique to anything I was watching at this point. Now with our media, like every show functions that way, and it's it's fucking annoying that we can't have like an, an X Files where it's like, yeah, some are just standalone episodes that you can enjoy, and some are mythology episodes. But at the time, there just wasn't, you know, television was not designed to have a story that continued from week to week because of how uh, streaming worked, or streaming didn't exist, and DVDs didn't exist, and reruns were inconsistent, and you know, so that they couldn't exist like that. So. I, I actually stay with Transform Ninja Shows to the end because even though I was in junior high for the last two seasons, that's when it got especially interesting. So I, so yeah, I I got into Ninja Turtles a bit and then um, tried to catch it. Yeah, and then you may have like, watched different series too, I suppose. But, but then I I was really into superhero stuff as a kid. Um, but like, I never had really like a Transformers thing very much. So I'm learning a lot of this stuff for the first time, basically, um, other than, you know, liking Beast Wars a bit, um, but none of it really sticking to me. Uh, so for me, like the experience is very strange because I'm watching this at, yeah, like probably from a perspective of a parent, like a working parent who like didn't sit and watch cartoons with their kids were just like uh yeah i have like shit to do can you just like sit and watch the cartoon show and you come in and it's it's radically violent and the one that feels most like it would have been targeting me as like a five-year-old let's say is um <clears throat> the uh robot dinosaurs so i was oh yeah I was a dino- that's the one through line through all of this who right? doesn't love yeah who doesn't love the dinobots i mean if you were around did, did they make a dino riders movie can we cover that <laughs> uh no they do have a 13 season television show and the the first episode was just like a 25 minute movie that was the only one i'd ever seen because um until i was like in college and i tracked down other like ebay here oh there was more episodes and stuff like that um I mean, if Dino Riders, like, basically, they stopped making them in about 1990, and I would still scour stores for them as a kid. Like, Dino Riders was the best fucking thing in the entire world. Like, you missed out on that. It's literally aliens. Like, it's. did you know what, like, the Dino Rider toys look like, Peter? I had Dino Riders toys. Oh, then, yeah. Best thing in the world. Yeah, they were at. I mean, I imagine some of them were hand-me-downs from my older brother, um, who was seven years older than me. Um, But I had Dino Riders toys, and they were – it was sick. You got, uh, like – got like little uh spacesuit commandos and you got uh fucking T-Rexes. alien batteries with like fucking shark heads and snake heads that rode fucking dinosaurs with lasers yeah stuff on them yeah it's it was like mutant it was like two categories i loved so like you know i had a superhero phase i had a truck phase i had i guess i had a short beast wars phase but like i definitely had a short mutant ninja turtles phase um teenage and otherwise <laughs> um <laughs> elderly ninja turtles was not quite my back um but uh yeah i like through line was dinosaurs ninja and- turtles but i was a child so it wasn't weird <laughs> yeah it's like uh muppet babies yeah um but uh the one through line was dinosaurs and guys with lasers yeah yeah, I mean, this did. I mean, this essentially this TV show is off the air in '88, and even this movie was essentially unavailable, except like, you know, probably in a shitty scuffed up copy that had been at the video store if it still worked for ten years until 1998 again, right? Like from the '87. So, it this is there was definitely a like 
Transformers is something that is pretty ubiquitous now, but about the time that you're like six or seven, yeah, like Beast Wars is coming out and that's about it. Um, it definitely had like a, a lull. Uh, a lull in there. <laughs> I can't My wait for pitch- there to be a, 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 a gritty reboot of Beast Wars. I mean, I'm sure Beast I'm sure Wars has begun. Um, I, so my pitch for this movie, and I think we can like do a little cut over to the plot, as it were. Um, my pitch for this movie, which is not a strong pitch, I, I mean, if you have no interest in watching this movie, don't watch it. It is like it is. It is. Uh, I mean, it's it's an eighties. Uh, it's an eighty-minute toy commercial, like literally, where they're like, "Throw away your old toys because they're dead." They're literally canonically dead. You have to bury them in the backyard next year. You have to bury them. Yeah, how many have to try them? Uh, Give them a Catholic burial, though. But yeah, well, I mean, except Waller, hold yeah, Starscream was Jewish. Yeah, and um, (laughs) in Optimus Prime, you have to face Mecca, of course. Yeah, um, but like it, this is I, I have seen almost every. I told you, I had a phase where, like, this stuff started to become available, and like a lot of people in my generation, or like an elder millennial, I was like, hold... Because that, that was the thing, Peter, like, the the one thing that's like the elder millennial, or the whatever, zillennial... Geriatric like, millennial? Geriatric millennial, was that I, when this stuff went off the air... And I had a lot of fond memories, whether it's, you know, this or Rainbow Bright or Mask or all the other stuff I used to love as a kid. It just was gone. Like, you just weren't able to watch anymore. Maybe your video store had, like, a couple episodes that they released, but it disappeared. And so when stuff like Shout Factory, which at the time was called Rhino Video, um, and uh, started to get their hands on releasing episodes of stuff like Transformers and G.I. Joe and Gem and Mystery Science Theater 3000. And then eventually, you know, starting to release whole seasons of these things at DVD back in that, like, initial DVD boom. It was fucking amazing. Um, and there's still things that I lament that they never ended up releasing. Like, I would have loved for them to release the Rainbow Bright stuff besides just the movie that came out to theaters. Like, because I'm sure my my kids would would love that. I loved that stuff. Um, as a kid, but it was like this, it was like, literally, it was like, this is the first time I've ever had the chance to watch this since I was five. And, you know, watching something at five was, was precarious at best. Like, is it, I don't understand how to tell time. So sometimes I turn on TV and things I like are on if it's like a time like af- right after school and I can understand it. I don't even understand how to tell, you know, what channels I have. I don't know how to find what I'm watching consistently, <laughs> you know? So... It was just amazing. And so I ended up rewatching a ton of this stuff, even stuff I had never really seen just like uh, all the way through. So like when it comes to these kind of like 80s cartoon movies and they made a lot of them, they made Rainbow Bright, they made uh, My Little Pony, they made Care Bears, they made uh, GoBot Battle of Rock Lords and stuff like that. This is the only one that I think they put a lot of effort and budget into it just to make it theatrical. Like the animation on this, I think, looks commiserate with a lot of the 80s anime stuff, which is also why I think the movie itself found like a fan base and like my friend Mark, um, who, who was really excited about it. But also, I actually think that like because the animation and the stuff, the, the fight scenes are pretty like well done, I think this movie – best represents what it was like as a kid 
to play with these kind of toys. Like there are scenes where like, you know, people are going over a jump. Uh, the good guys are and there's bad guys sitting there and they smash into them to use it to get over the gap in the road and and land over there. And there's like, you know, someone gets hit and they kind of fly in the air in a way that like physically doesn't make any sense. But it, it has the visceral feeling of what it was like to play with the action figures in a way that like I I truly believe no other – whether it was a movie or the TV show ever really captured as well. It does feel written by a child, and I don't necessarily yeah. mean that as an insult. There are the 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 it's it, it feeds into the rule of cool in almost every moment where it's like, what's the craziest thing that could happen right now? And it yeah. feels like like it feels like they're setting up a plot device at one point. So they crash on a junk planet and at one point I'm like, Where the fuck are you? Where are you going? Yeah. What are you From doing? Planet junk. The planet junk. Is that what it's called? Planet junk. Yeah. Planet Junk, where the Junkions live. <laughs> it's where Eric Idle lives. It's where it's, it's where, where old, old Python members. Oh, uh, sorry. His name, his character name is Rekgar. Please, as someone who Rek-gar? never gets character Rek Rek hyphen Gar, spelled W R E C K dash G A R. Nice, nice. So, uh, how's this marriage? <laughs> uh Bawa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my point I was making is that there's a moment where they're rebuilding their ship <clears throat> they crash the ship they're like everyone let's band together and rebuild the ship and then the little kid gets on an exosuit and you're like this is a toy commercial um, and they're like yeah we're going to rebuild the ship and you're like you think it's going to be a sequence where you get to see all your friends working together and they get to uh, talk they get to reflect on what has happened. Absolutely the fuck not. They blow the ship up and then they all have to run away in car mode, which is what you do when you're a kid. You're like, oh no, oh no. Oh no. The shoebox yeah. crashed. Our shoebox ship crashed. Now we have to run away. Oh no, my friend who has a Unicron toy is coming in. Like the, 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 um, the, 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 the sort of like, uh, inability to set up like payoff and reward is its own sort of reward in an 80 minute animated movie for children where like every yeah. moment is just chaos on chaos. Yeah, there's there's almost like no quiet moments, incident, there's no reflection. Occurring. I have no there's idea. No what reflection. Any, there's no characters. Yeah, no. Because they don't need to because there's good guys and there's bad guys, Peter. And like that's that's in some ways like all you need for these. Can I ask you like uh, might as well say it here. Were you in any way like impressed with the the animation? I, I do feel like I was, I was really watching it through that lens and I've now seen it on the big screen. And I'm like, you know, for this type of movie, like it looks really good. Like things explode. There's like when planets are flying apart, especially like when these HD remasters that you probably watched it on like I did, like there's just a million pieces on screen. Like it's it really like I can see why now watching like Neon Genesis Evangelion, having watched movies like Akira and Ghost in the Shell that I missed at the time. Like I can see why my anime, my early adopter anime friend was like this movie fucking rules to look at. Yeah. So it's not it, it's doing something entirely different than, say, Gundam or Evangelion is doing where like they um, 
those are uh, trying to imitate the aesthetics of, of uh, film in some capacity. And then as things get more surreal and crazy, they are um, entering an entirely different realm of anime, which is like uh, this surreal, spacey. This is like what makes people get attached to anime is when it gets like uh, surreal and non-literal. And it does things that you can never really represent in a movie without it looking insane. Like that's why a live action Evangelion would never fucking work because it would just look, yeah. it would look insane. Intolerably corny, um, but also most people would probably be arrested. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> we'll okay. talk about that this month. <laughs> um, but with this, it's going for an entirely different aesthetic, which is almost like when George Lucas talks about. It, he's like, oh yeah, the frame is just filled with incident in the, the yeah. Star Wars prequels. That they're going, it's going for a, an overstimulation in every single regard. That like you the the. There are individual sweeps of animation that are rather impressive, but you never have even a moment to dwell on them because it's not trying to have you dwell on any single moment. Like, I was like, oh, that was a really cool explosion. And in Gundam, it would be like a moment where, like, you see the explosion and then you see, like, a wide shot of it. And then you, like, you hear, like, the sonic boom inside, like, the suit of one of the guys. And and he's like, oh, no. Uh, Oh, no. They've cracked through the shield. Instead, (laughs) people don't even talk about shields and, 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 like, the mechanics of how the ships work or whatever. There's barely any of that. It's just, like, uh move forward energy must always move forward if you stop you're dead if you stop and have a conversation your ship is about to get fucked up you are about to get fucked up like it's basically a movie where the only rule is don't stop fucking moving and don't stop (laughs) shooting yeah Um, that that actually i think i think like that makes that that smooths over some of the animation i will say animation in terms of the movement and 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 the, the the proportions on things some that all works very well like my problem is more of a design problem. I think too many of the robots look too much the same, but just with a color swap. So if it makes you feel better, I've told you this before. Like one of the things I really like in the stage that I'm at with the IDW comics is that each comic reminds me who a lot of the people are. <laughs> it, says, it says the name. That I mean, the comics uh, have a um, have a very big sense of humor about like how all like all the good names are taken, and it's hard to tell people apart sometimes. And at one point, there's there are two people that look similar and have the same name in the comics, and everyone like is like their brains are broken because they can't process that. Like th- that is a hundred percent true. They are. You know, I remember Ebert kind of took Ninja Turtles to task that, like, they have no personality. They're, like, the same person. The only thing that makes them unique characters is the color of the, their bandana. That Excuse is me, 100%. they have different weapons. I mean, Peter, I know that. I'm just saying Roger and Ebert didn't know that. Well, wake the fucker up. I, I actually think, I mean, we don't need to get into this now, but I think Roger Ebert was way off base. Like, even the theme song tells you how different their, their personalities are, right? Leonardo leads. Donatello does machines. Raphael is cool, but rude. Michelangelo is a party dude. That's like outside of the colors of their bandanas and their stuff. Like that. That's that's a that's an archetype. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are. I I I have not seen uh, Ninja Turtles in a long time, but I can guarantee you, if I watched the watched, watched of, it earlier this week, I can guarantee you. Like, and I can't like specifically say who has which color headband and all that. But if I watched thirty seconds oh. of the show, I'd be able to parse out four characters. Um, I'd be like, oh yeah, that uh, that's Leonardo because he said this and blah blah. Whereas in this, um, yeah, it's like there's confident good guys and then there's. Uh, 
good guys in a confidence crisis. Well, there's this, only, I mean, there's only good guys yeah. that are like, I'm ready to take on the challenge. And then there's good guys who are like, I don't know, but we should, we should do it. But I, I don't know if I can do it. There's basically those two modes and all the, all the good guys are, are sorted into those two, two categories. Yeah. They let a lot of the character building <clears throat> in these, in these, in these TV shows being done. Like, you know, the, when you bought those action figures and they had the card on the back that would like favorite thing to eat pizza pies. <laughs> it's like that, that really helped. I think I understand. So yeah, I I I I do not blame you. I again, because of a sickness, I have a very good sense of who everyone is in this movie. I would, but I I'm not surprised that uh, that that feels like the case for this because again, even in the comics, especially comics, gets really tricky too, Peter, because like different you know artists and writers draw people differently. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm like, who the fuck is any of these people? <laughs> and I and I've been reading it for pretty consistently for a couple of years. The last thing I'll mention, let, let's transition to probably what'll be a somewhat abbreviated like talk about the incident in the movie. So yeah, so this movie comes out, it, you know, it, it did a almost a soft reboot before that was a thing of the entire television show. They still had a couple seasons. Season three is actually uh, the animation budget went down a little bit, so it suffers from that. Season three is actually, I think, probably the best '80s television show, kids television show season. Like it is the one that I tend to revisit when I've revisited it um, since I first bought the DVDs back in like 2001. Because I mean, it it. it I actually watched the first two episodes of season three after I watched the movie, Peter, because I'm like, yeah, does that kind of pick up the way I remember it? And it does. It starts with a five-part episode to kind of put pieces back into place. Um, it starts the, It starts immediately after this movie uh, ends with, with Unicron's head floating through on the credits. Um, and it starts to really, like, tell, I think, some, some somewhat interesting stories – um, from from the perspective, like way above, in general, the threshold of this type of television show, and then it ends with the the return of Optimus Prime, where they're able to bring uh, Optimus Prime back from from the dead and re-energize the the spark. Uh, Hot Rod, who has become Rodimus Prime, gives him back the leadership. One of the things that's super kind of cheesy, cool. Um, is that they get one? They bring him back from the dead. The touch by Stan Bush starts playing on the television show. Which I'm, which, you know, when did you hear a licensed song on an '80s uh, television show? Um, so I mean, it, it it is actually like this really fun season. Again, not something I would necessarily recommend to you, Peter, but something that I would note um, is like I think I think why Transformers, at least from a Generation One perspective, has has a a fan base probably of a lot of a really annoying people and people listening to this may find me very annoying in this but like it 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 does it does actually have something beyond just oh yeah there's he-man again oh i don't think i like this at all like it actually has some stuff that like from a science fiction perspective from start you know that kind of thing of like weird stories and a continuity and 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 stories that play out over longer arcs like is something that i really enjoyed season four is an abbreviated they they basically season four essentially was supposed to be a five-part series finale for the american version because interest had waned as kids moved on to stuff like ninja turtles and and things like that uh they cut it down to a three-part and it was um 
it was kind of this idea of how do we kind of send it off or potentially set up something new. So it was this idea of headmasters and or headhunters and taskmasters and like the transformer race is dying. How do we uh, incorporate humanity into it to 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 build a new? It's kind of a shitty ending to the series. Weirdly, the um, the the in Japan. Um, the the series continued. They they forgot about that rebirth. They they ignored that like ending uh, three parter, and they just made three more seasons, uh, of which I did end up. They finally released those in like without a dub. They're just like in Japanese, um, in in uh, for in for U.S. audiences like three or four years ago. And I did buy that set and watch the first couple episodes. It was very bizarre to hear. Um, I don't think it's racist to say it was weird to hear new voices that were not speaking English come out of all the Transformers and to read this kid show in subtitles. Is that uh, it was odd the experience? Uh, no, no. I think uh, I think particularly when you're like you you get very used to aesthetics, it makes it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it would be um, racist I, if you extrapolated like one or two steps further. But I think we're, we're yeah, it was just it was, it was it was just an odd experience because it's still the same characters in a show that I watched a lot. Um, I still have that. I don't know if I'll ever get back to it. That was something where I was I, – I, I felt like I played through that cycle of, oh, this could be fucking cool. I get to see these three seasons that they made that were never Amer- – that were never like Americanized. And I, you know, watched it. I'm like, oh, I have no connection to this really. Um, but yeah, that uh, that is – they did kind of circle around and I think make – take this um, – and, and the main um, – the main antagonist of the show become – those uh, quin quintessence, the uh, the the weird uh, judge and jury executioners who you find out in season three uh, actually made Cybertron as a factory planet, um, and essentially their um, their worker race that they had enslaved and created came to life. Uh, that's a big part of season three. Oh, so that's like um, it's like. Um... I'm glad that Yon's in there. I think the other thing is creating shockers, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say one of the few designs that I find in the movie is like really clever and like I would love to see done again is the the judges, the three judges where they like rotate different through different faces. It also like like the so when the movie begins, which we'll get to that plot in a minute, we we see this entire alien planet of, of these beings that seem peaceful. Um, getting yeah. decimated by Unicron, um, and uh, Unicron is one letter switch away from not being a badass name. <laughs> um, but uh, Unicron is devouring this planet, and like I hate the design on those weird little alien dudes. Like yeah. that's one of the things. It's like aesthetically, I like the bright colors and the craziness of it, and how and the and the 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 um the motion forward of the animation. But the um a lot of the designs don't really do it for me. But so I'm glad to hear that like at least they took one of the designs from this movie that is like pretty pretty rad. Um and is like somewhat original. The judges and yeah. like carried that forward. Yeah, and I like that they. Um, I mean, I like that they say innocent right before they try to kill him. I think that's weird. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I never quite quite got. Like they're like innocent, and then they drop them to their death. But that becomes a big thing, uh, and I think just in general, the se- season three of Transformers gets into like 
oh, we can do more. We can tell bigger stories. Like this movie opened up the writers who were in many ways against a lot of what they ended up having to do in this movie based on design. But it opened them up to be able to be like, well, fuck it. Like, we're not telling kids stories anymore. Let's not tell kids stories anymore while still aimed at a, you know, a kid audience while still being kid friendly or, or having a lot of those trappings. Like, I think that actually made a very interesting season of television um, that, again, I would recommend to almost no one. But I'm just noting it for posterity and for the three people who are aware of it to go. Yeah. And nod. Uh, but Peter. We don't have to talk about too much because there's not too much plot that we haven't got into. But are you ready to talk more about 1986's Transformers, colon, the movie Beyond Good, Beyond Evil, Beyond Your Wildest Imagination? I, 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 it's the best tagline of all time. I just want I to. loved when I was looking up for the movie. I do love that it's just called Transformers, the movie. Um, it's great. Um, it's... Something you should probably just put on like the film canister or the VHS tape or the beta tape before you play it on TV, um, because like it's very, it sounds very defensive. Like Transformers, this is a movie, okay, guys. We're not talking about uh, we didn't cobble together some loose footage from the TV show, asshole. This is a movie, all right. It's like a like a spaceballs thing. <laughs> Transformers the lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it, it is. It does definitely speak to uh, the uh, franchisability of this. It's like, all right, you've seen Transformers the show. It'd be incredibly, it'd be incredibly funny if the show was called Transformers the show and there was nothing before it. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think that would have been good. Um, I think you also – I want you to admit on record that uh, the tagline did not have to go as hard as it did. And it's an amazing tagline. Why don't you say it just for the audience? I just said it to you. Beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. <laughs> this is, I feel like, within the bounds of my imagination. Some guys going on Oh, really? <laughs> some guys going on a road trip and getting shot at. It's definitely within my imagination. I've seen – What about a planet guy? I've seen Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically a stealth remake of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Transformers the movie. Yeah. Here's the thing that I realized going into this month. One, I should probably do the recap of Transformers the movie. And two... You definitely need to do the recap of End of Evangelion. I haven't watched it yet, but I just – I don't – I think if I did the recap of that movie, you would want to strangle me with all of the – and then that guys that I would do. And if I made you do this, it might be funny, but I think it would take 30 minutes and it would be the end of the show and we'd go, I don't know what, what just happened. So I'm going to do an abbreviated version. Uh, of what Some guys are just following a vibe, okay? Most movies fi- are... They're, they're just trying to figure out what the move is, okay? Mo- most movies are about vibes. <laughs> Good vibes, bad vibes, sketch vibes. Um, so yeah, this movie opens with a peaceful robot planet. Uh, the one thing that's very consistent in the uh, Transformers universe is that uh, there's a vast galaxy of planets of life. Some has biological life form. 
some has robot life form. Um, not just the Transformers. These guys are just robots going about their day like we find out about the robot plant world later on. But um, they're going about their day, going to meetings, saying hi to their friends, falling in love. Giant planet eats their planet. Literally, it's a planet in the circle. It's got teeth. Eats it. People seem to know who it is. They're like, oh, no, Unicron, <laughs> which is – I love that from, like, just a kid version, uh, kid kid movie. Anyways, fast forward. Um, again, now keep in mind, this is 20 years of the future. All of a sudden, they're back on Cybertron, which was the whole point of the first two seasons of this. But apparently, there's a base on, on Earth that Optimus Prime is going back to. There's a spy in one of Soundwave's, um, Soundwave's uh, cassettes that live within – him. Uh, always inside, always penetrating him. Um, and they're like, oh, uh, Prime, Optimus Prime's going to Optimus City on Earth. They're sending a shuttle. Uh, we're going to intercept the shuttle. That's when they kill a bunch of the main characters of the, the TV show. Um, and then they go attacked, attack uh, 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 Autobot City on Earth, where we meet Hot Rod, who's a young, brash Luke Skywalker type, and his older mentor, uh, Cup. Um, and then there's Daniel, who's the son of Spike, who again was a kid on the television show. Um, they the Decepticons attack the their city. They blow a bunch of stuff up. They think they're they're about to lose the battle. Uh, that goes on for a while. A scene that I love quite a bit. And all of a sudden, uh, Optimus Prime and reinforcements comes and Stan Bush's the touch plays. There's a fight with lightsabers between Megatron and Optimus Prime that ends in essentially both of them uh, dying, uh, which is a very sad moment. Uh, uh, Optimus Prime passes on the Autobot Matrix of Leadership, which is something that will unite Autobots at their darkest hour in a way that no one really understands to his second-in-command, Ultra Magnus, because his actual second-in-command, Ironhide. Uh, died, uh, off basically off screen. Um, also, by the and- by the way, um, the Megatron being the bad. Like I have, I have problems with in this. Uh, sort of like the, with the Master Shredder versus Splinter. Master Splinter versus Shredder. Yeah, things Master Shredder. Whatever. I confuse them because they both sound like bad things. Like I don't want to get splinters, but I also don't want to get shredded. Um. In this, I'm like, Megatron? That sounds pretty cool. He's he's Mega. And so I was like, okay, to remember that, I'm going to remember it being Megatron. That would like, be helpful. Yeah. And I was like, Ultra Magnus sounds like Ultra Mega. <laughs> There's only so many robot names that sound cool, Peter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, Starscream, who was, if you ever watched the TV show, you know he's a little dick. All the second commands of the, of all the bad guys second in commands, you don't know how they got second commands. They're constantly trying to usurp the, the, the evil leader. Starscream's no different, except it's the movie, so it's, he, instead of repairing Megatron, he throws him out of a fucking ship in space. There's a brutality there, and with the way Unicron eats that, that, um, peaceful planet, that I was like, yeah. oh, this movie came to fucking. <laughs> This movie didn't come to play. <laughs> We're going to say swear words. We're going to be brutal. Bad guys can be bad. We're letting bad guys be bad again. We made bad guys bad again. Yeah, and I, I like to think Optimus Prime uh, lost the battle, even though he did, you know, defeat Megatron, um, because he, he, uh, enga- he used violence to engage with fascists, and he sunk to their level, you know? Yeah, vote Megatron out. <laughs>
I always say, <laughs> show up to the polls, Autobots. <laughs> Maybe you'll get some better leadership. I mean, Optimus Prime is sort of a centrist Democrat. And he's like, we have this we have this group of villains that could absolutely ruin our lives, kill innocent people, kill everybody we know and love. But we have to wait for them to attack first. Yeah. And we got to make friends with children. Uh, yeah, it's um, human, human shields in the war. Uh, I know. Let's give them. I understand their biology doesn't work to be compacted, but let's give them a little Transformers outfit. It's a test. I mean, you know, it's a prototype, right? Like they didn't like they didn't have other people that use this on. So the, you think the first time that that fucking thing they put that kid in transform, they're like, okay, let's just close our eyes. <laughs> If we see anything wet, we're just going to run away. (laughs) Uh, um, After it works, one of them is like, we could have gotten a doll. He's like, oh, shit. I totally forgot. They totally forgot about the concept of dolls. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so yeah, Optimus primarily leaves the Autobots like, oh, fuck. What? Our city on Earth is destroyed. Oh, shit. What the fuck's going on? What the fuck are we going to do? So they get into two ships um, uh, that end up getting separated. Uh, One of those ships ends up – they both crash land on essentially the same planet, right? Um, One uh, ends up meeting uh, the Junkians uh, and Rekgar who start attacking them. Uh, I am skipping ahead a little bit. And then uh, Hot Rod and Cup – and Grimlock uh, get kidnapped by these – they meet these Sharktacons and then eventually get uh, taken prisoner by the uh, Quintessons. Who, um, I sorry, sorry uh, Sharktacons, what animal do they turn into? Uh, jellyfish. Huh. Yeah, sure, huh. they're sharks. Why aren't they called jellyfish cons then? <laughs> uh, they're con cons. Con cons? Uh, no, yeah. They, I mean, there was a lot of clever naming. The shark tick, like that. You may have noticed that the, there's a group called the Insecticons. There's the Dinobot. You just got to know what stuff is. There's the eventually. There's like the Stunticons. Well, just you know. There's the Predacons. They turn into animal predators. Like Peter, the you know Devastator devastates things. It's just is just Devastator relax. bad? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a combiner, which they end up introducing more in second season, but he was the first one from the first season where those like uh, five, like the bulldozer and the crane, they're like, they form Devastator and everyone freaks out for a little bit um, at the beginning of the movie. The big kind of like bright green guy. Anyways. Yeah, he starts punching the shit out of uh, Autobot City. The city. The city, yeah. So, damn, Bob, um, do you live like this? So, meanwhile, so as... Uh, Megatron is dying and floating in space. Um, he encounters Unicron, who's like, hey, the Autobot Matrix of Leadership, which is a big deal for me, uh, a giant planet-sized robot, is still around. I'm going to conscript you and take your spark and give you a new body. Uh, so he transforms him and some of the other dead uh, Autobots into Galvatron, who's then voiced by Leonard Nimoy. On the television show, Galvatron goes back to the same voice. Frank Welker as Megatron. Um, the In some of the continuities, this is very different. Like, for example, in the IDW one, Galvatron is a completely separate uh, person. But the idea is, is that there is a 
core of Megatron there. It's it's but but also um a lot more aggressive and evil and powerful, which ends up coming up later in the season. But it also just is a like, hey, same bad guy toy, new toy body, new name, go buy it. Um, yeah, your old so, toy got absolutely owned on the field of battle. Yeah. You, I would, so he got dead with this thing. He immediately goes and finds the coronation ceremony for Starscream and just blows him the fuck away. Um, and then all the other Decepticons are like, oh, cool, Megatron's back. His name's Galvatron. Uh I guess he killed Starscream. We'll follow him. So they eventually uh, track down Ultra Magnus and be- kill him, essentially, and take the Autobot Matrix of leadership. Meanwhile, Hot Rod and Cup got uh, kidnapped and are being judged by the Quintessons. They end up escaping and then uh, saving the the rest of the group, RC and and uh, the rest of the, the Autobots from the junk the Junkians, led by Rekgar and Eric Idle, and they use the universal greeting, and they realize, oh, we're all friends. Oh, yeah, we, we speak TV. Well, And they dance to Weird Al Yankovic's Dare to be Stupid. This is 100% a real movie. I cannot emphasize that enough. And uh, they also put Ultra Magnus back, back together, but th- – uh, so then it goes right to, like, they go confront and attack Unicron. They have a big plan to do it. Um, Galvatron tries to betray he's a bad guy in a kid's cartoon. He Once he has the Autobot Matrix of Leadership, he tries to destroy, open it to take over Unicron. However, it does not open uh, for him. He gets eaten by Unicron. Hot Rod ends up in there as well. And eventually he ends up saying, of course, you can't open it. You're a dickhead. Uh, sorry, that would have been the PG-13 rated version, which they didn't want to go with. But um, And so he ends up taking, you know, as all hope is about to end, the planet has turned into a planet-sized giant transformer. Hot Rod uh, opens the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. He transforms from here on out from Hot Rod to Rodimus Prime and ends up leading the Transformers. He also gets a, a cool semi-butt. From his hot rod car. Uh, it's actually not cool. It looks like shit. That was a huge mistake I think they made. Like, I don't know. I guess they all have bigger cars if you're the leader. They all turn into giant trucks. Uh, and they defeat Unicron. Uh, there's this great scene of them all fucking driving out uh, of uh, of Unicron as he's about to explode. And they drive out the fucking eye and break through it. Uh, I love that. It looks cool. I enjoy that. Um and then they say that Decepticons are defeated and Autobots won. And that's where season three essentially picks up. So that is Transformers colon the movie Beyond Good, Beyond Evil, Beyond Your Wildest Imagination. Peter, what else do you want to talk about? Um, I will say the one, the one thing that really bugs me about this, um, despite it having... I don't know if I'm interested in negative feedback. A, a lot <laughs> of... Like daring filmmaking. I mean, daring in the yeah. sense that it's serving yeah. capitalism, but like yeah. daring um, storytelling, I should say. <clears throat> um, the piece that bugs me a lot is that both U- Unicron and um, Galvatron both just float off as like heads into space, implying that they're going to come back, 
which is just it's this sort of thing that like made me give up on like comic books when I was a kid that were like superhero comic books. It's one thing that pissed me off about like Dragon Ball Z. Like they could just never let a character just die and have that like plot thread end. And it's so like, Unicron does stay dead on the cartoon. Galvatron was not dead. He does not he does not float away ahead. He just he does the Darth Vader at the end of uh Star Wars exit. He just gets like uh, blast blasted out um, yeah. and it's just uh, so Unicron doesn't actually come back but for me I was like oh well the big fucking the, all the bad guys come back except for Starscream like <laughs> that's, that's not very resolving I guess they're just gonna rebuild their robot bodies and come back um, well yeah I mean no I mean everyone who's dead basically stays dead there is an episode with Starscream's ghost um, it's called Starscream's ghost but that's the only time he comes back the, and the only Autobot so that souls. dies <laughs> yeah, I mean they have a spark if you want to know, the All Spark is is a, is like a soul. No, body the All Spark is just made up for the Michael Bay movie. So the the I know they, nothing about Transformers. Here, no, right? they do they do kind of have souls. They're called sparks, which is why, like, um, so I mean, like, so <laughs> this is really getting in there. So like, when Megatron becomes Galvatron, it's not like I. It's not like you or me take over a new body. Have you ever seen like Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's essentially that, like that idea of like, hey, your soul is gonna get trans is gonna get put into this new body, and uh, some ineffable part of you survives, but also this other person it modifies your personality. So you're not gonna be exactly the same. It's it's kind of that they have a spark, which makes them not just like robots, but like have a you know they they have conscience, conscience, and uh, yeah, consciousness. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, why even bother getting into it? But yes. <laughs> because I asked, I guess. I know. Um, but, uh, okay. So, <clears throat> um, but that is that is something that, like, I know this is just, like, a convention, a storytelling convention that pisses me off. But, like, it also pisses me off in, like, drama shows where they're like, oh, man, I can't kill this villain. So, we have to spend four seasons on them. Like, the, the like, uh, the... the the stringing along plot conflict um, with a character when the character could just absolutely just shoot that person in the head and move on or like leave that person in prison and we would just be fine um, is uh, is something that I find very frustrating about a lot of like superhero media. It's something I find frustrating a lot of, about a lot of children's media. It's just like not that, not that I want them all to be gangland executed, but just like um, <laughs> if you the, inability, the inability to move on from plot points like. Yeah. Can't this war be over and then they move on to a new kind of struggle? Like there's that show, um, The 100, which I, I didn't finish it. But one thing I loved about it is every season it was like, here's a big bad. And then by the end of the season, that big bad is that like, that problem has been resolved. Like that big bad is probably dead in a horrifying manner that makes you think less of the characters. But like, yeah, usually like. You know, maybe a character like it spills over into the second into the following season, but it's not like um, it's it's not like there's like uh, just a guy haunting the characters for forever because these characters are in a survival situation and just they they kill the they kill the people that would haunt them for years. Yeah, so I agree with you, and I I gave up on the hunter too. My wife finished it. And she hated, like, le- legitimately hated the last two seasons. Uh, my wife Shauna is one of those people that I used to be. I broke, I broke the, the cycle of the violence, where if I started a show or was invested, I just had to finish it, even if I stopped enjoying it. Uh, watching Entourage and Rescue Me to the bitter end broke me of that. 
but my wife finished the 100, and every once in a while, uh, I do remind uh, ask her to remind me how it ended, and then I laugh for a little bit because I'm not going to spoil it for you, Peter, but it is ridiculous. <laughs> I read I read the rundown on like um, AO9, whatever that, whatever the the Gawker I, sci-fi I, I, was, IO9. Yeah. yeah, I read the I read the rundown on IO9 because um, <laughs> I was like. I'm not gonna actually finish the show, but like, you what, know, what happened? But like, yeah. how did they end it? Because the show kept getting bigger and bigger, right? Um, uh, I believe they all became. Oh yeah, you you looked it up is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not asking. But but yeah, so so uh, there, there's but, like so actually, singularities, and they open themselves up to like the possibility of rebooting the show, like all sorts of shit in the finale, and like everyone hated yeah. the finale so much they're just like, uh, we're gonna move on. All these hot young people are gonna move on to new projects. <laughs> Yeah, it's the How I Met Your Mother thing where I gave up on How I Met Your Mother two seasons to the end. And then, like, I checked in how the finale to see if I made a mistake. And I was like, oh, thank God. Not only, not only am I glad I bailed, I should have bailed way sooner. You got, uh, you got to but, be more abstractly mad as opposed to, like, actually mad. Yeah. I I, I get what you're saying, though. because And and actually what I think is very interesting, Peter, is I, uh, I think almost all kids shows have that problem because they can't kill off i mean they don't have that intricate plots they're usually like i mean literally episodic and megatron does the thing they stop megatron he he retreats same thing happens next week i actually think that this movie one of the reasons why it's unique and then what follows is unique is it actually breaks that cycle everyone who you just saw die like it's done for shitty capitalistic reasons that the writers and everyone else were against but it does lead to the fact that, like, it is unique among most shows, even adult shows, because these people do not come back. They do bring Optimus Prime back at the very end, but no one else comes back. They kind of persist with new threats. Uh, Autobots stay in charge of uh, stay in charge of Cybertron, and it's not just like Galvatron, who is the the main antagonist, who's more fighting like a little more of a guerrilla war. Again, uh, against uh, against uh, the Autobots, as opposed to like the 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 Autobots being the rebels to uh, Megatron's, uh, you know, Darth Vader's Empire, Galactic Empire, and stuff like that. Um, and it, it 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 actually sticks to what it what it's changing uh, for the most part. Which again, I'm not saying like it's like Golden Age prestige TV, but it actually is different from what you're talking about. I. I also think the hundred problem that you're talking about, or the the idea of like a show who's like burning through plot points as opposed to recycling or going back to the well, I think that has its own challenge too. I didn't finish the hundred because the amount of things they needed to do to introduce new stuff and burn through plot points was like starting to get eye rolling, which was my like same thing of like the Vampire Diaries. I don't know if you ever watched that. I, a lot of people recommended it because it's like, you know how, like, most shows have season-long arcs? Like, this show resolves them in three episodes and moves on to something else. And for four seasons, that was incredibly – it felt like you were just on a runaway train where it's like, this one has to be a big arc. Oh, nope, they resolved that? Okay, we're on to something else. But the problem is when those shows last for seven or eight seasons, that becomes its own level of mundanity because, like – in. You just can't, like, burn down the show that often and expect there to be ashes 
or something to build on. So you have to keep getting crazier to the point that you're like, all right. Like, that's kind of the soap opera problem too, right? Like, I mean, I, I've never been not judging or anything. I've, I've, I've never watched soap operas. But like, they have an ongoing daily continuity that they need to make more and more ridiculous to keep people interested. So I I think it's a double-edged sword. What I, what I think is interesting is that I actually think your your biggest frustration with Transformers doesn't quite apply even though i can understand why you would think it would yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's just it, the implication from the ending is that the both of them will come back and you're like so they they actually added new villains and they reskinned the old ones so they could sell more toys but like i it's it's you know it's, it's something that like i can't actually complain about because i'm not like uh invested yeah. in the show but it's no. it's something that like <clears throat> it's sort it annoys me because the rest of the movie is so cutthroat if the rest of the movie wasn't cutthroat i'd be like yeah it's a kid's movie of course they're gonna keep megatron alive it's you know it's like batman and the joker they they you know they can't kill the joker they have to they have to um have joker get locked up so joker could get released like and it's not an optimus prime's character to just execute um <laughs> execute megatron like that like that's not you know that's that's not our hero like i, I get that and wants kids to understand the idea of like mercy and, and whatever um it's just that this movie is so cutthroat and it's not interested in those things for most of its runtime no so like all of a sudden <clears throat> all of a sudden it's like you know um well, yeah, I mean, we should keep we should keep this new version of Megatron Galvatron alive so that we can continue to sell toys. And, and, and that 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 was where, like, that was the only point in the movie where I feel like it actually was harmful to the movie was uh, just not being a little bit more cutthroat in how it resolves the plot. I actually find the end pretty fun. Like the idea of just yeah. running around inside that giant robot man and like the transformation sequence. The animation on the transformation sequence is very impressive, I think, especially for something that is from such a exploitational, like it's a Dino De Laurentiis company movie. Like Dino De Laurentiis, like, yeah. yes, the, yes, like the, the budget on this was $6 million, which is pretty significant. Yeah, I think in today's money, that's $100 billion. Yeah, it's $100 billion. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis uh, paid the cast in um, Sacagawea Coins. We're recording this in December. Everything I've read based on watching Fox News about inflation, I think my statement will be accurate by next month. <laughs> yeah, as an as an avid Fox News viewer um, who uh, knows that gas is going to cost three hundred dollars a gallon, <laughs> and we even get don't get me started on vaccines. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to be burning gas for fuel. <laughs> just just you know, stick a Pepto Bismuth tablet up your butt, and you'll be fine. <laughs> um but make your wife do it yeah so you can be good with the lord jesus christ oh that one i wasn't sure which one you were referring to is optimus the, prime uh i was referring to the all spark peace be upon him god damn it that's from the movie there's no all spark on the television. listen Here. i was listening okay listen up i was listening all right. spark there's no all spark all spark is uh it's actually it's a it's a uh, the buddhist concept of that all souls are are connected in some irrevocable manner or irrevocable manner and and that uh you know reconciliation is just part of this process of life churning and there's different tiers of life and existence and uh the all spark is where all the sparks go oh is that is that in the buddhist matrix of leadership (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah Mm mm-hmm 
Um, so yeah, I, I actually like find the ending fairly thrilling, but there's a piece here that we haven't talked about. That's like the thing that people remember this movie most for a hundred percent. This is what this movie, this is the only thing I knew about this movie. Oh, Orson Welles. Is that Orson, this is Orson Welles' last role. It sounds like he had a good time doing it. It sounds like it was one day in the studio and then five days later he died. He died. He died. So, yeah. (laughs) And they filtered his voice so much that it's like, He he was so sick. I guess it's yeah, Orson Welles. Yeah, so uh, there is a story about like Leonard Nimoy having to re-record it as Orson Welles that everything I can find says that that's a, that was a rumor that is not true. Unicorn's not in the movie much. He's not in the movie much, but that it was a one-day recording session. He died six days later. His voice was very weak, and they added a lot of effects to make it. I actually think, for what it's worth... um. Like, I'm not going to say that that any of the vocal performances, while a lot of them are fun to hear, are like some sort of like fantastic version of animation. I think having Orson – I think that Orson Welles' voice of of like – which sounds like a very tired man robot, like a giant robot, uh, as opposed to like menacing or over the top, I think – Ends him an air of difference to anything that I can remember from, like, cartoons of that era. Like, the whole point is, like, I mean, look at Megatron. Look at Galvatron. Look at Starscream. Look at Shredder. Like, Krang. Like, they're all these, like, big, like, I'm going, like, you know, they're they're all doing Wicked, Wicked, of the, Wicked Witch of the West stuff. Like, that was, like, the standard for cartoon villains. And I think having this, like giant planet who is essentially for the most part as far as you can tell completely unstoppable just kind of be like i'm going to get you or you know not even not even that menacing but just like it has an ancient evil quality yeah like i've seen this all before i'm kind of bored with this like i'm eating to ingest but i'm not i like i don't even have why expend the energy to like you know uh to 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 shakespearean monologue like so i like the performance is definitely was was like kind of weird to the ear as a kid. I remember, like, but I I've come to actually appreciate it. Just the contrast between most other cartoon villains. Um. Yeah. I. Uh. It's something that if you didn't tell me that it was like Orson Welles, I mean, I knew the story years ago, but if you didn't tell me it was Orson Welles on his deathbed, I just I would just be like, yeah, the Unicron voice is like a gravelly old like elder presence that's just like <clears throat> even talking is just like feels pointless to it because it's just an all-consuming yeah. machine that just like only only exists to fuel itself and make itself bigger and more powerful um yeah. and like it eats whole planets and like that opening sequence where it eats the planet is scary like he's putting actual claws into the surface yeah, it's, this... it's got like a fucking like a leech mouth or something yeah yeah like i, I like the idea of their threat I will admit the idea of it just being a giant robot in the end is, is like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of the I mean, universe. It's Transformers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a Transformers movie. It needs to, <laughs> the villain needs to transform, and he needs to transform so hardcore, right? Yeah. Um, what, but, I mean, I understand children are fine with this, but the idea of, like, well, we have a big threat. What is it? Well, it's a really big robot. It's not particularly compelling. Um, but, you know, 
fuck, man. Like, uh, Wait, we're big robots. Yeah, no, but this one's like no, like big is like is a big robot. Um, and it's not <laughs> particularly compelling on a conceptual level, but like in the execution, it's good. And like, I don't really have a lot else to say on this movie um, because, like. I feel like all of my complaints about the movie are kind of overrided by this, like, general, like, like, fuck you energy. <laughs> like, fuck you, we're partying energy. Like, the whole movie is basically the soundtrack to, like, banging in the, the back of a red so Camaro. I know. I do it. Like, um, well, Maya loved all the songs. She was, like, every time a new song would come on, she would be like, um, okay, but it's this. I, I think I might like this one better than... Uh, you, she kept calling it your song, which just meant the touch because it was on my phone, you know, a lot. But she's like, oh, which one do you like better? Like she – I mean I'm not an 80s hair metal guy in general. Like I don't – like Def Leppard is not on my home mixes. I, I get there's a lot of people that legitimately enjoy that movie. I I have a weird uh, aspersion to it. I think it's – like I'm not even a big ACDC guy or like the ones that are considered generally like good um, but I love all of like I I do think eighties hair metal in the right context is a lot of fun and just just being placed over the soundtrack to this movie constantly in bizarre sometimes sometimes just completely bizarre um ways like there'll be like a, a rah rah we're beating the bad guys song. As the good guys are getting defeated and captured for no reason. Yes, yes, know. that's the t- yeah. the total problems that I have with yeah. this movie are are mostly overridden by the fact that it's it's just as a like fuck you we're partying energy. Um, and like the, there's a moment that's like I think a sad moment when one of the characters, the old character, uh, the old guy, cup, cup, cup gets fucked up in a battle, and then the the the, the they're like underwater fighting like a robot squid or something. Yeah, this, this is the exact moment I'm talking about where they have a really like pumped up "we're doing it" vibe while they get but the, the shit beat out. We just watched. We just watched like ten of these characters get decimated. This movie, like, we know this movie's not playing with kid gloves. Like, I assumed Cup was dead, and this the, the movie was like, "fuck yeah, fuck yeah," and I'm literally watching a pallbearer carry Cup around. <laughs> Yeah, so to be clear, what's happening? Just uh, I don't know if we'll end up putting that song. There's a lot of songs to choose from, but. They are getting – they're underwater getting beat the shit out of the old guy is all tangled up and he's like, I'm going to save you. And meanwhile, the soundtrack is, nothing's going to stand in our way. <laughs> Great. It's it's toxic optimism, I would say. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> look, they're going to be fine. Do you You're going to be band? fine. I don't know Hold where on. my legs are. The other thing that's really funny about it, but do you know that like – um. A lot of the – a couple of the, the the 80s hair metal songs were performed by a band according to the soundtrack. was called Spectre General, uh, like Spectre, like Bond, Spectre. But they had to change their name because it was a, a kid movie soundtrack, which is funny because the kid movie has like, you know, shit and stuff in it. Their actual name of their band, uh, they were a Canadian heavy metal band that was called Kick Axe. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, but they for the soundtrack they're like for this movie you're Spectre General. <laughs> That's very weird to me because Kick Axe is literally like that could be a pun in any of the. It's, cl- it's yeah, there could be a character named Kick Axe. Yeah, it's literally it's literally it's literally a pun. Um, the only thing, the only complaint that I think like sticks with me in this is like how fucking annoying the little the little guy is and his dinosaur friends. 
Oh, uh, Wheelie? Wheelie and the dinosaur friends from the... Me Grimlock say we on our way. Like, that Wait, shit is... like this Grimlock? Shit is, this like shit Grimlock. is so fucking annoying. I mean, it's definitely annoying, but I mean, that's how Grimlock talks. When they're, when they're like, rhyming with each other, like, doing, like, we, like really clumsy rhyme schemes oh, with that's, each other. Oh, that's all, that's all Wheelie, yeah. Yeah, I want to put my, my hand in a plunder just to drown out the sound. Okay, lead singer of Inside, of Eve Six. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, Wheelie is, uh, not the best character in the world. Um, like a lot of things, he, he has a fun, uh, he has a good arc in the IDW comics. I think, you know, I, maybe this is the way to end this episode, but I think one of the things I really like when I start reading those IDW comics is like, I, I do get, like I said, I, I don't think it's nostalgic enjoyment. And I know sometimes we've tried to, we've done nostalgia audits on this show, we tried to parse what that means, what what the difference between like legitimately enjoying and enjoying something is, and stuff like that. And I think like I don't have a a good definition, but it is a feeling, right? Like, do do I like this movie over nostalgia and and the rest of the TV show? I don't know because I enjoy watching this the way I do most television shows in a way that hasn't even even shows that I think are fundamentally better, like a Ducktales or Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, like I, I, I loved those shows as a kid. They're definitely better made. They're funnier. They have better voice acting. They weren't just there to sell fucking toys to kids. And yet, for some reason, I like I could probably watch like more Transformers episodes in a row than I could a, the Ducktales or something like that. Um. So, like, I I have a a weird proclivity that I that I don't even understand myself, but I, it's never a chore to watch these. And again, I just fundamentally enjoy them, which I think is why I've had like a rekindled love of like the the Transformers in general because of the IDW comics, which has some great storytelling, but they're also taking like they're it's really like I think shot towards people my age who were fans of this movie and generation one transformers. And it's like, we're going to take all these things that were, were part of your childhood stories. And we're going to, we're going to make them into more of a, like uh, not mature in like a gritty grimy way, but just sophisticated storytelling and comment on a lot of the things that were never commented on. So like one of the long running arcs from the comic series that's interesting is like, okay, why is there a quote unquote girl robot? Like, uh, and, and like this idea of this, like introducing gender into this genderless society. Uh, and it, and it parses through a lot of that stuff. It deals with the idea of like, uh, you know, um, what what like it, ta- it takes a lot of the idea of like instead of just making Megatron like an evil bad guy or you know that there was it has a lot more of that kind of like longer term like there was a a break in the Senate and the you know the people that Optimus Prime served were evil fascist and you know Megatron the, the, the he came up with the name Decepticon because you are being it meant you are being deceived which gets a lot of jokes about like but you sound like the bad guys in the comics <laughs> and stuff like that but he was you know he was trying to actually break away from fascism but like ended up like becoming fascist 
uh, on it. So, like, it's taking a lot of these things, like Spite with Wiki, who's in this movie and unfortunately has an unrelated Shia LaBeouf character in the other Transformers, like, he represents, like, American imperialism and try like, uh, when they are on Earth for a little bit, uh, tries to become their, like, friends and buddies and ends up, like, you know, trying to use them to fight all their dumbass, like, I mean, it started in the Bush years, so there's a lot of, like, um, American military is bad stuff. Uh, and so, like, and then, like, one of the nicest Transformers becoming really, like, beat down by the fact that, like, his kindness, like, it, it's, it's, t- it's taking a lot of these, like, characters that you know and archetypes that you, if you were a fan of the the com uh the the cartoon and it's like telling more sophisticated stories. I'm not surprised the series has gotten a lot of good reviews, which picked my interest to begin with. And it's something that, like I said, I I've read 375 issues at this point, about 50 more to go, and I've had just a fantastic time with it because there's something about I think the story it's telling as a whole that's gripping, but also I just have a connection in a way that I can't quite parse uh, to to this kind of universe. I don't think this episode has helped me figure it out anymore, but it's only continued to reinforce that when I put this movie on two nights ago, I was like, fuck yeah, when that theme song kicks in, like it was like I was watching anything else I've seen a hundred times in love, like Back to the Future or you know indiana jones or star wars i'm like hell yeah like it's nowhere near as good as that um and and i wouldn't put it uh anywhere near those if i had like a favorite movie list but it's it's in that pantheon of movies peter that we talk about like no matter when it comes on i'm excited to watch it uh yeah <laughs> i i have movies like that uh this one doesn't doesn't quite crack that why, but why would it uh, i understand that yeah, I mean, I could develop a cocaine habit in my 30s. That's possible. Um, but the Nothing's going to stand in your way. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the tonal problems are very weird for me. But, like, it is a movie that can smooth over um, them with energy. One of the tone moments that also I, I, didn't, I didn't note. But so there's a scary moment when Unicron is eating that whole planet. And then it's pulling in countless millions of people into its fucking yeah. mouth. And then it has a big crunching machine, and the crunching machine is going, munch, 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 munch. <laughs> it's like, uh, this scene's too scary for kids. Um, what if it made noises like Pac-Man? What if kid robots were showing? You know how they, they make kid robots that grown up into grown up robots? <laughs> I really what want to think robot? about that. Yeah, it's like how um, it's like how your Alexa just slowly gets bigger, and then someday you have to get rid of it because it knows too much. <laughs> I can't keep feeding this Alexa. Get a job. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the the uh, my final thought is Optimus Prime, more like Optimus dying. Optimus dying. Megatron committed an Optimus crime. <laughs> Homicide. And he did the Optimus time. Yeah, he did. He got sentenced to a new robot body. And again, I don't know the ethics of sentencing in the human universe, but it feels like... I, well, I don't know how they're co- comparable, but it feels like if my sentence for my crime was to be put in like a new body, I, I just think there's some ethical questions being raised there. 
yeah, I mean, that's a promotion, I would say, for murder. Um, <laughs> but it seems like it's fitting with a military sort of setup. Like, um, yeah. like if you're a Marine and you do really good kills on ISIS, uh, they give you power armor. Oh, cool. Did you know that? Uh, no, I guess I'll look at enlisting. <laughs> What's your pitch, Peter? <laughs> well, my pitch is it'll pay for your college. Hey, wait a second. This seems less like a commentary on ISIS <laughs> and more like a commentary on uh, the good guys, Peter. Which is us. Is the, is the good guy a sequel guys? to The Good Fight? Uh, I think there wasn't there a movie called The Good Guys that was fucking terrible. There was a movie called The Nice Guys that's great. I like The Nice Guys. I'm talking about The Good Guys. The Good Guys. No, no, no! What I really—I mean, we're recording this at Christmas time. You know what really I hate? It's from 2010. In, in the Santa Claus, when the ELFS squad goes, "Don't worry, we're the good guys. We're elves with attitude." First, we crack the shell. Then we crack the nuts inside. <laughs> I didn't know that. Good line. All those lines are good. I didn't know that good. one of the ways to tell if somebody is a Decepticon versus an Autobot is uh, do they have a do they have a weird New Jersey accent? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is all bad guys live in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's canon. That's the canon for reality. Um, Tony Soprano, a hundred percent. You you like when people are learning history in like twenty years, like there's going to be history teachers that are going to be like, yeah, that no, that's canon. <laughs> That's canon, fam. That's canon to reality. <laughs> so which one takes place in the uh, white supremacist timeline? Yeah, it's a different continuity based on their perspective. <laughs> oh, We're going to get into that in the chapter that we never get to because you only get to like Vietnam tops in high school history. I like to assume in 20 years it's going to be the same situation. They're going to they're going to spend a, a quarter of a day on the Korean War, 5 weeks on Vietnam and then they're like, "All right, have a good summer." Can you imagine Agus. them like <laughs> Can you imagine like whatever the fucking like textbook version of the last like 10 years will be? <laughs> I, I really can't think about it. Some people disagreed, but it all worked out in the end. Are you sure? Because half my family's dead of a plague. Yeah. Well, it all worked out for a lot of us. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to get high every night right now, Aaron. I really don't need this right now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so next week, I don't want to say what's next week because I don't think we've decided. It kind of depends on a few things. My gut tells me it's going to be Evangelion. Good night. Good night. Au revoir. You've got the touch. so much for listening to we love to watch 
If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs)